Welcome to the Abbey Talks podcast series with myself, Lisa Farley, coordinator of the talk series here at the Abbey. For 41 years, Stephen Malloy has worked as property controller, furniture man, props master here at the Abbey Theatre, a lifetime service to the theatre community. 41 years. Can you imagine that? There's only a handful of Abbey practitioners who can claim to have invested so heavily for so many years in the old buildings and loan business that is the Abbey Theatre. If you've paid even one visit to the Abbey or Peacock stages since 1978, you've witnessed Stephen's craftsmanship. It's that table that didn't topple when your man, that actor, leapt on it. It's that hardback chair that broke as if on cue in Act 2, Scene 4. It's that exquisitely upholstered three-piece suite that you thought was the genuine article, but was actually handmade from scratch. Because you see, Stephen Malloy has always been the genuine article. In this podcast, Stephen talks with me about his early days in the antique business, his first impression of the stuffy Abbey, creative divides, dream players, the heydays and hard days of a life in theatre. You would be wrong to think that this podcast is all about looking back. Stephen's not one for that. We're brought bang up to date to the present day housing crisis, a reality that makes no concession for age or decency or welfare. If Stephen had his way, he'd be succinct and say, it's an easy enough job when you know what you were doing. And sure doesn't that say it all. Enjoy this podcast. Welcome to the Abbey Talks podcast series, Mr. Stephen Malloy, props master at the Abbey Theatre, who retires this week after over 40 years service at the National Theatre. Does it feel like 40 years, Stephen? No, no, not really, no. It's the it's, uh, funny thing about it, when you like, when you like doing your work, and you can get, get up every Monday morning and it doesn't bother you, you just enjoy it. I actually like working, I like working on, I like uh, making things and you know, seeing the final finish on most stuff, yeah. Can I ask you, for those, of, uh, for those people who wouldn't uh, know what your job entails as props master, would you tell us what it involves? Well, it definitely has changed over the years since um, we have um, Emma Murphy now with us. It has completely changed because Emma does all the buying and sussing out props and you know all that carry on. Myself now, uh, for the last 10, 15 years, I've just been um, reupholstering stuff, uh, French polishing, and making stuff if we can't get it, find it, you know. So it's, it's an easy enough job when you know what you're doing. Well, I, I think you're very modest about it. I, I would, wouldn't like to hazard a guess at how many pieces of furniture you located or restored or, or actor-proofed, as they say. Oh, yeah, we have to do it. Well, actor-proof is, is probably correct because you'd know the actors and you'd know once you get the prop list and you say, well, that has to be strengthened. Well, would you tell us, you know, say your job from page to the stage? So that initial meeting, I suppose you meet up with, the, you have a production meeting. Yeah, we go in, into, into the um, yeah, we'd first production meeting, we'd have a meeting. I'd have already have got a prop list and I'd have run through it. We'd meet the designer at the production meeting. We'd talk through it with the production manager. First of all, we'd find out how much money we can spend. That was the big thing. There was never any money. And then we'd have to get our designers to agree to come out to Fingers or the warehouse and hopefully pick out stuff that might be out there. Uh, again, most of the time you have to tell lies because uh, the designer would ask you, what show was that you was in? And you'd say, oh, geez, I can't remember. It's 70 over a year ago, but it could be only six months ago. And if they knew it was six months, they wouldn't touch it. But uh, yeah, that was, that's the general idea. You, you get them out from the production meeting, out to the stores, try and get them to pick the furniture, stuff that's out there. If not, then we have a list and we have to go looking. 
And tell me, you, you have to do kind of two sets of furniture because you have one for the rehearsal room. Yeah, the rehearsal props were grand, actually. You just pull out something similar, same size, height. But through the six weeks or five weeks rehearsal, we'd gradually get the furniture they want and give it to them for the last week of rehearsal. And your office at the Abbey Theatre would be at the behind the stage in a, in a quite a small room, so you'd make up all your furniture there. In there, yeah, that was the little prop room in there. We did everything in there, yeah, yeah. And that has always been your office? That has always been, yeah, the office and uh, workshop and, yeah. Because it is a sight to behold because it's it's a very slim little office. It's, yeah, it's a long, yeah, narrow. It's incredible to think yeah. that these pieces of furniture that we see on the Abbey stage is made in such a small space, so you obviously have to work within that space from uh, the yeah, sun dock and Yeah, we can, yeah, but you, you get around that, you know, yourself, because if you can get the piece of furniture in the door first, that's the main thing, if you're, if you're recovering a, a sofa, say, three seat, but once, once you got it inside in, and on the bench. Into your office, then you can get it out and then onto yeah, the stage. Yeah, out, yeah, yeah, but to get it in first was the main thing, because if you have a three-seater, Sulfur, and you're trying to get it into a very narrow door, you know, and then have to turn it around and put it up on the bench. Will you explain the term actor proofing? Well, actor proofing is, uh, I don't want to name any names, actors wise, because there's a few of them still alive. Uh, one in particular, yeah, we had to strengthen everything. If they which was, a, say, an ordinary dining room chair, they would have to be strengthened with L brackets, maybe a new seat put into it. Um, if there was a bed, the spring would have to be taken out. We'd have to put a hard three-quarter ply base. Because it. I suppose it's fitting with the play that you're not going to sink into a couch. That's right. Say. And most of the sofas we we took out the soft seats. We put a hard seat into it because we we didn't want any of uh, the actors or actors sinking. Yeah. And you know that had to be especially if they're in uh, some very large, heavy costume. You, you know, you'd have to be able to just sit there. And if and if the actor took the the notion to, I don't know, to dance on a table or to, oh uh, yeah, we'd, we'd ask uh, the, the designer and director if we can get a hold of the director before. And is there any heavy movement on tables and chairs and things like that? And we used to get no, but as the rehearsals went down, the impulse impulse uh, yeah, would, yeah, would uh, yeah. fall upon them and they'd be up on the table. So you'd have to strengthen and reinforce yeah, it and yeah, make sure it yeah. could last the whole run. Oh yeah, yeah, and. Uh, just, just to make sure it's safe as well. Yes, yes. Because um, you can't have a table and they're jumping on it, turning over. Yeah. Do an angle like that. But, uh, but you get used to that, and you get used to the the actors, their what they're going to do with furniture. Their capabilities. Yeah, they, you know, yeah. Some of them they just lose the lose it all the way. But that's all right. That's part and parcel of acting, I suppose. Can I ask you what led you to work here at the Abbey Theatre? Well, as you know, I worked in the antique business first. And then there was a general stage manager here in the Abbey, a chap called Joe Ellis. But he also acted as prop buyer, because they only had, didn't really have a prop person. So he'd come over to, we had a, a second-hand shop as well. It was, we had auctions every Thursday. And Joe would come over and he'd have a list. And he'd, he'd hire the stuff off his hand if, if it was for auction. Well, he'd auction it. So I knew him for years before I came in here. And what led you to the antiques business? Was it a family business? Uh, no, the father was a collector. I used to go around with him dogs years ago, and that's what got me interested in. And that. it was a Dublin-based uh, shop. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, where is it now? It's, it's down on Bachelors Walk. It's the Arlington Hotel. Ah, oh, right. That not, was, not that far was at the all. shop in there. Yeah, yeah. Going right back out to Lotstein at the back. Huge. So yeah. you joined the the business, I suppose, after. I joined the business as a salesman. 
Okay. You know, and uh, it's about seven years you have to learn your trade, you learn all about uh, period furniture props, uh, not props at that stage, but all different periods from uh, Edwardian, Georgian, Victorian, you're right back. And would that have been formal training with your father? Um, no, it'd be kind of training on the job. Um, the chap who owned the shop, who was only about my own age as well, but he, he took over from his father and he yeah, was great knowledge and stuff. So he passed that on to you? Yeah, yeah. And then you would have learned your trade, like as a carpenter, would that have been during those years or did you... Um, well, on? yeah, the, we had, um, we had in, in the antique business, we had four or five carpenters, or cabin, they were really cabinet makers, they were carpenters, and um, four or five upholsters and two French polishers. And yeah, we learned it from them and then we, we went to night school and picked it up, you know, and got whatever we had to get when you go to night school, you know, a bit of paper to say you can do it. And uh, yeah, that's how, how we got into it. Uh, it came natural actually, upholstering the chair. I just was able to look at somebody doing it and so you're a fast learner. I could, I could do it. Yeah. yeah. So what age then? So, I believe you worked in RTE. Um, I worked in RTE for about eighteen months to two years. That was after the antique. I was about 70, uh, 75. Uh, and what was the vibe like in RTE in those? I days? thought RTE was lovely because I was a production buyer, so I, I didn't do an awful lot. I, I just was allocated to one show and uh, have to whatever they wanted to go and get it if it wasn't in the proper room. Shows like Halls Victoria Weekly and those very old shows. Ah, so you w would have worked with some actors that would have then... Uh, yeah, yeah, Eamon Kelly and um, Eamon Morrissey. Yeah, we did come to Late Late Shows and a few other bits and pieces, you know, Mass on a Sunday, a few things like that. How I came into here, I was playing a lot of football at the time. And I, I had to work most weekends in RT because it was last in. That's the way it worked. So it didn't suit me. So I heard of Bono, who worked in the props here, chop from, uh, not the Bono, but uh, Bono, <laughs> from, uh, Bono from uh, Malahide, his, uh, he worked here and then he was leaving to take up journalism. Do you, do you remember the interview process? Oh, I do, I do, I do, well, actually I was sitting down where the president's room is now in there, you know, where Khan's office is in yes. there, um, Martin Fahey and Brian Collins, who was the production manager. And we were talking away over there all the time and, uh, Finished up playing with Ryan Collins said to me, do you play football? I said, yeah. That was good. An interview was over and he said, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and uh, he said, um, it goes to show you how long ago it was. He said, we uh, sent you a telegram. To say that you got the job? If, if you get the job. Oh, so right. They okay. had to interview a few more people. Okay. But this is late 70s then. Uh, they're, still doing this, yeah. they're still doing yeah, work by and, telegram. Uh, I just got home and got the telegram said the job was there if you wanted it. Do you think the football was the deciding factor there, the, the sway? For Brian Collins, I would, I think Brian was more, he knew I knew all about period stuff, furniture, and, and there'd be no problem getting the prop list and somebody would say, I want a Victorian table or this, that, and the other. I'd know what they were talking about. So there was, yeah, I think. But football helps, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, what was it like when you arrived here? Um, when I arrived here from RTE, uh, first of all, I was left sitting in the foyer. It was, Tuesday after a bank holiday, after, and I was supposed to meet Brian at nine o'clock or half nine. He never turned up. I sat in the foyer until about half past twelve or quarter to one, and then Joe Ellis comes out. He says, uh, "Oh, you're the new prop person." Yeah. He said, "May I give you the keys?" <laughs> and showed me the office backstage and a few more of the places. Now he said, "There you go." And who was there before you, Stephen? Was uh, there? There was, there was no handover. There was a girl actually. 
Kara Draper. That was the, she was she was doing everything. Yeah. Uh, it was in a mess. I mean, you couldn't get in. My little room there, there was mattresses and beds and uh, wicker skips and everything. You just couldn't get in the door. So then you obviously just had to empty all that out. I had to empty all that, and then I had to go down to our stores. Our stores was down in where the financial centre is now. We had a couple of warehouses down there. And you couldn't get in the door either because the sets were with, with, with the props and everything was just. Thrown. So there was no system to it. No system, no. So we, we got into it and got that sorted out. It was a good idea because the, the company went on holidays for six weeks. Oh yes, year, yeah, May to July or something, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, and they came back in July and then the show that was on before they went on holidays, that, that opened it again, that went on. From, and that so, was the first show then yeah, that you came? Stephen D. Handy enough to remember, Stephen yeah? Stephen D, yeah. And uh, I was able then to sort out the problems and, 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 and kind of work out what I was going to do for the six weeks that it was on. So how, how, how much time did you have to do to get before you started on that Stephen D? Well, no, we didn't have a lot of time because we, it, there wasn't a show in, in, there was always a show in rehearsal for the Abbey and the Peacock. There were always two shows in rehearsal all the time. So it wasn't an awful lot of time. Uh, but then they weren't as particular prop-wise in the last 20 years. In the first 20 years, you know, you'd get away with stuff that you wouldn't get away with today, you know, on stage. Um, but yeah, we got in and got cracking at it and it wasn't, wasn't a bother. When you're a young fellow, sure you can do anything. It's very good. Yeah. And, and in those initial few plays or few months, was there a steep learning curve for you? Did you, did you feel well, it? Of course it was, yeah, because I wouldn't have, I mean, even an RTE, you wouldn't, I mean, you were just a production buyer. They had a property set out there, and there was three property people out there. You only got, got a list of what Boston they couldn't get in the prop stores. You'd only work on one show at a time. And then here at the Abbey, then you're... Two shows, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Constantly uh, on the run. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, and that. And uh, a lot of Saturdays you had to work, you know, try and keep up with it. Especially if you were in here, in the building, trying to make up something or do something. But, um, yeah, sometimes Saturday was nice and quiet. There was no matinees in those days. And uh, there wouldn't be an awful lot of staff in, so you could come in and... Get ahead of yourself. Get ahead of yourself, yeah. And tell me, what was the atmosphere like when you got here? Who, who was, the Abbey Company was still going? Uh, the Abbey Company was still going, yeah. I thought it was a very stuffy place when I came into the building first, compared with RTE, you know. They were very clannish as well out in RTE at the time because you'd nearly have to come from Bray or that area to get a job in RTE okay. at the time. Um, but yeah, in here I thought it was very stuffy. And what's the age frame? So you're a man in your late 20s maybe. Yeah. Uh, mm arriving here, were there men and women of a similar age to you or did it feel like they were all quite elderly or stuffy uh, no, as you no, say? No, no, I don't think so. No, but the boss of Canada was here, you know, everybody knows the boss and, and he was, he wasn't um, a scenic artist at the time, he had gone past that, he was director. Um, Joe who, was Downing, the who was the artistic, yeah, the artistic Joe, director? Joe was the artistic director, he had just had taken over the previous year. I'm sure he would have been one of the youngest, he I think he is the youngest, himself. yeah, artistic yeah. director we've had. Yeah. I think the first production I worked on with Joe's Aristocrats, Brian Freed, great show actually, you know, and, and um, Frank Conway I think designed it, great set. So you did feel it was, it was your first impressions that it was stuffy and then with such a young artistic director and... But Joe was great, there's no, no problem about it, he was great, he had time for everybody, you know, and uh, he, he would never, there was no shouting or no, you know, just get on with it nice and easy. And was there a nice mix between, say, cast and crew 
and say, as we call the top card or the no, senior management? No, no mixing. No, no, there wasn't. We had a we had a, a full time company of actors, about forty five, fifty, and uh, I wouldn't be able to go into the green room from my little office. Which is right beside the green yeah, room. I'd have to go out and in the yard because there's a prop store over the green room. So you wouldn't be able to cross the green room? No, you wouldn't be able to go into the green room. Why? Because... That was the, their space. The actor's space. Yeah, that was the actor's their space. Their zone. Okay. Yeah. But would you have known many of these actors um, in kind of in a, in a social way? You know, oh, yeah. Think? We used to... Um, I'm sure they were the people who taught me how to drink. You know, take drink points. Yeah, they were very nice. The, the older actors, very nice. Like, um, But there was a hierarchy within the building of where crew would go, where Yeah, the crew, wouldn't, the crew wouldn't, wouldn't they, they had their own little room downstairs where they had their little canteen. It wasn't a canteen, it was just a, a restroom, but yeah. Um, but they wouldn't go into the green room, no. no. And if there were people in there that weren't actors, yeah, they complained. Really? Yeah, they would complain, yeah. Mm -hmm. So there was, there was quite a divide. Yeah, there was a complete divide, yeah. But these are the same people that you'd go for a pint I suppose across the road to either yeah, the, the plough um, or um, what was um, then? The plough or the, um, the plough, sorry. And, and yeah, they're all going there, yeah. yeah. So they're, 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 uh, you were going to have a drink with them, but not yeah. uh, be too friendly. It was slightly different when you were working, yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. I've talked to, say, actors over the years or people who've come in and out and they have saying, said the stark difference as to when um, they come in now and the nice mix and the oh, yeah, yeah. atmosphere that's here. Yeah. Uh, because I even to the present day, I find it very funny actually that when the stage managers are writing out the list for the dressing rooms, they all decide to call you Mr. Miss or Miss. Yes, or yeah. They don't put your their first name down. And that's from the previous days. Oh yeah, oh, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's from previous days. Yeah. Because yes, even when they're calling a show, they say stand by Mr. McAnally Mr. or. McAnally, yeah, yeah. And we, knew, everybody knew Ray McAnally, you know. Yeah. He was a very nice person altogether. And the dressing rooms will still have that formal kind yeah, of title, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And um, but look, no, that's not the way it was. We didn't know any differently at that time. And tell me about this football team. I believe there was a football team. Um, yeah, well, they're funny. I wasn't. They, they only had a football team, a golf association, and a cricket team. So who started that? Do you um, think? It was when I came anyway. Okay. Yeah, uh, the golfing society used to they used to go off every Monday, so there was very few backstage people in it because we worked but the actors were, were all gone. So what kind of kind of um, staff numbers are we talking about? So you have your you have your Abbey company which is as you say fluctuating maybe 40, 50 and yeah. then you have so it's, qu it's quite a big company really. Yeah we had there was quite a few yeah there was only one in props but um, I mean backstage stage crew I'd say it was about six or seven. Okay yeah so, th so there's all these kind of um, groups, as you say, the golfing group and the football and... Uh, and, and the cricket and, yeah, yeah, they used to... Uh, so who would you be playing against? Uh, we have played against, well, the football gang, we used to hire a bus and go off. So it, it, was it a theatre community of, say, um, the Abbey versus, I don't know, the Gate or the... No, uh, no, well, you wouldn't know. It would be the Abbey region. against other teams outside. Okay, it was a league, you know. I guess, yeah. Yeah, but we'd have all the actors playing and everything. So who's on your team? Uh, the first team I played on, um, your man Mealy, Colin. Colin, Colin Meany. He was there and uh, um, I, think, I don't know whether Liam Neeson was playing that day or not, but he was, you know, there was a whole gang of them anyway. And uh, I remember later on then uh, Brandon Gleeson used to play. Oh, of course. Yeah, and we had to try to get him to stop smoking. <laughs> but yeah, Brian Collins was in charge of the, the, the football team. 
And how did you do league-wise then? How uh, no, there wasn't the league. It was all friendly matches. Okay. And uh, we used to, yeah, it was taken seriously enough, yeah. Are, are we training? Like, are you training? Oh, no, we never trained. <laughs> uh, no. God, that's that'd be, that'd be serious. Oh, no, I never trained at all. <laughs> but we had all the gear. Brian Comfort got a whole set of jerseys and togs, socks, you know. Oh, branded Abbey stuff, oh, is yeah, it? Yeah, I think we're called something cats, black cats or something like that. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but it was good. Good fun. It was mainly really yeah, a social thing. Are you playing on a Sunday or? Because yeah, we play on a Sunday. Yeah, we, if, was, if we were playing say down in the dock or Waterford, we went through a couple of times, and to be a bus to pick us up and all. The staff, staff council would pay for all that. Okay, so there's actors on it. Is there any any of the 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 senior management or? or Martin Ferry used to play. Okay. Yeah, he was. He was finance director. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, he could play actually. You know, size better than I say. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he was good, yeah, Martin, yeah, and uh, yeah, Tony was great footballer in his younger days as well, and Tony was a good footballer, yeah, we had, we had the whole yeah. gang, yeah, yeah, but the, the actors and all, uh, some were very good footballers. You know? How many years in that did, did that go on for then? I think it, it went on as long as Brian was here, Brian Collins, and Brian was here for 21 years, but, okay. uh, but he left sometime around the, the mid to late 80s. But he, he he took over all. He was in charge of all the football. And of all the traditions, I suppose that you see going through the years, uh, is there anything? Are there things that you do miss? Do you know, or that you'd say actually that would be a good thing to bring that back? Uh, I I don't really look kind of back. I think you know it's, it's going forward. It's all right to look back when you're you know, that's my age, I suppose. But uh, no, I I think. There was probably a better atmosphere, you know, when I, you know, when I got into the building and after a couple of years, I got to know everybody and, you, you know, and we'd all go for a drink, this, that and the other. And there's not an awful lot of that now. I suppose you never know when, I was just thinking about this today, like you never know when you're in the good times. Like it, it, yeah, yeah. it takes maybe a bit later to realise that they were the good times. Um, yeah. I think the best times actually was when I joined first, in 78. You know, it took me a while to get used to the building and the whole, but once I got into that and into it, and from 78 to about 88, 90, we didn't have any money problems as such. Yeah. You know, and the shows were going on, we weren't packing out, but we were getting good, great audience, you know, and um, it was a good place to work, everybody was happy. And what, what was the reputation of the Abbey then? So, you know, you're, it's, it's making its money, it's, you know, it's not... Yeah, it's I, think doing well. I think, I think, you know, people used to enjoy coming. You know? But it wasn't an elitist thing, like if you said no, that you were working no, at the Abbey, you weren't yeah. taking a side look at it or anything? No, because it's funny, there were certain actresses and actresses um, that would, would tell you that, you know, the gate was completely different than the Abbey. In what way? Well, one person said to me, I wouldn't really go to the Abbey, she says, only that, you know, she's an actress, only that I'm, I'm employed. Oh, yeah. okay, so the programming didn't agree with some people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You'd always know really what the gate would put on and what we put on. And we put on a lot more new, new plays, naturally enough, because that's what we do. So, but yeah, the gate used to put on stuff that was commercial. When I look at the list of productions and playwrights that you have worked with, there's everything in the canon and mm -hmm. everything out of the canon. You're talking Freel and Farrell and McGuinness, so Casey, mm -hmm. Beckett, uh, Marina Carr's in there, a lot of men, uh, Murphy, Miller. What, of all the playwrights, I suppose, or of the plays, which production would have had the most impact on you? I thought the best production we ever did in here. We did it, it was done on the Peacock first. 
was Mice and Men, ah. directed by Ray Maganelli, and uh, great production. Now Do you remember what year that would have been? Or uh, oh no, it was in the 80s, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, there was an English designer, pretty good, she was, Walkinson or Wickinson. And um, it, it came up to the Abbey. And, and it did, we got a good eight or nine weeks out of it in the Abbey as well. But it was a great show. And do you remember who was in it? McAnally directed no, it? No, Ray directed it. But I don't actually can't remember exactly who was in it, but they were all company actors. They were in it. And uh, it was powerful, powerful, you know. And the, the set is there because it had to be a kind of a, a real dull set. And mm. um, all the beds in it, you know. And there was mice in the floor. I mean, it was really, really great set. You know, and, and Ray McNally was a terrible man for saying, you know, praising you. It's just the way I get you to do something else. <laughs> terrible <laughs> man for the praise. Oh. But he was in very nice at that. Yeah. Uh, and there was another one down there as well. When am I getting my clothes? Down in the Peacock. Again, it came up to the Abbey. I think it was Brian Freel. Not Brian Freel, um, Farrell. Ah, oh, okay. And uh, it was a great show. So the amount of shows you're doing between the Peacock and the Abbey, you're... Yeah. Doing maybe what is it, six or seven upstairs, yeah, more downstairs at a Yeah, downstairs, yeah. Yeah, at one stage there, in one year during the festival, we we did um, a show at night time in the Peacock, a uh, lunchtime show, and we did a midnight show. Midnight show? Why? Because it's a festival show, and it was during the festival, and, and the show went on. Another show went on at midnight when the, when the night show finished. That's quite a quick turnaround yeah, there. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I don't know, we, we wouldn't get away with it today because both corridors down on the Peacock were full of furniture. Absolutely, you couldn't hardly walk. You know, but yeah, three, that, and it was good working because it just kept you on your toes, I suppose. And, that, and uh, I enjoyed it anyway, to put it that way. The speed at which you had to work. Yeah, sometimes under pressure you can work better. Yeah, yeah. You know, you can get stuck in and, and forget about it. You just get it, get it done and get there. We were talking about the good times, I suppose. You've also been here for the tough times. Um, right, yeah, yeah. The 80s would have been pretty bleak as well. Yeah, yeah. It was, yeah Martin Fine was the CEO at the time, and yeah, things were tough. Yeah. At times, we were all called in into the auditorium one time there, and we, we were about to be let go. The whole lot of us. There was no money. This is in the 80s, is it? Yeah, I think the 80s and 90s, mm. yeah. Mm -hmm. There was no money, Martin was saying. They were waiting on a cheque from the lotto. Charlie Hawley was in the park at the time and uh, he organised a lot of talk. Yeah, they up the cheque, but Martin will tell you when he got the cheque, he had to bring it to the bank first. Good logic. And then, and then come back. Uh, but for, we were okay, we didn't lay any of us off, but he just told us that there was a possibility that the whole lot of us would be laid off. And how do you deal with that? I suppose we're, the Abbey is used to being in the eye of the storm. Um, yeah. How do you do? You just get on with the work. Yeah, when you're working and, and, and you don't have time really to think of it, you know, you just get on with it. And um, I'm sure if I was older nowadays, you'd be saying, "Jesus, I've maybe don't know, I'll never get a job." You'd be worried, yeah. Yeah. But, but back then, I suppose but, you probably never. Well, when you joined here, did you think it was a job for life, or were oh you? No. Did you have like itchy feet and thinking? I said to myself, I I I'll give it a year. That's honest. I said it. And I said it to somebody uh, when I was sitting in the foyer waiting. I said, "Jesus, I'm not going to stay in this place. This is going to carry on." Of course, this yeah. Going on, you know. But yeah, it just flew by. That forty, almost forty-one years. Yeah, flew by. Um, but I enjoyed it. 
you know. And somebody said, why did you say so long enough? But if you didn't, don't enjoy your work, you wouldn't be here. Yeah, you would have left if, yeah, if you had had you like. So, yeah, no, I enjoyed it. I suppose a picture that always comes to my mind is of dancing at Lunasa in the 1990s. Yeah, and and um, show, yeah. the actors dancing on tables. That's and I think of you and Brigitte Nocton, I suppose. Oh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that was a particularly good time, I think, it in, was, in the yeah, Abbey's history. Yeah, Can, yeah, do think, you remember? Yeah, that, was, that was a great show. Patrick Mason and, and Joe Bannigan designed it, yeah. And it went everywhere. It even ended up in the, the gatey. As far flung as the gatey, yeah. Yeah, it ended up there after coming back from England, I think, yeah, you know. But I remember when it, when it came out first, it wasn't packed out. Oh, so it was a bit of a slow burn, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it wasn't packed out first. It only when it went to London and won the awards. Ah, over there. so it had to go away to yeah, come back. Yeah, it had to go away to, to come success. back. Ah, it wasn't, it wasn't sold out or anything when it came out first. That's interesting. You know, and... Um, but then I went out to America, won all the awards in America and everything. So, mm. You've worked in the Abbey for 40 years. Was Did you come from a theatrical family? You mentioned, obviously, the antique business, but would you have gone to plays as a youngster? Or? No, I don't think so. I, I mean, we acted in school and all that carry on. I can tell you that I was acting the night Kennedy was shot, President Kennedy, because I know what I was doing in November 1963, and we were doing a Christmas play in school, and that's how we heard it. Yeah, no, I worked um, school holidays out in Bray. The aunt had her hotel. Are you a Bray man, or that's no, 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 that's I, not a Dublin I, accent, is it? No, no, I was um, I was born here, and then I moved. We moved to uh, Sligo, and uh, but then I came back up here, and the aunt had a hotel during the summer, and I was out working with her for a couple of summers, and there was the, these shows every night in Bray, just past the town hall, a big tent. Double fit ups, as she used to call them. Ah, oh, yes, yeah. And they put on a uh, kind of um, a play. First, and then variety afterwards. Really good shows. I know, but they, they, you know. They, and did that pique your interest in that? Yeah, yeah. And that they, um, the old sets and everything that they had, we fallen down with. Fuck. And how did that go down with the family? I suppose you're living with your aunt up in Bray, and then going into this uh, theatrical industry. Were were the questions asked, or you know? Well, not at all. No. no. It was a job. Job, yeah, yeah. A lot of them were trying to say, well, how could we get into it? <laughs> you know, but anyway, yeah. It might have been different if it was on stage. When you're behind the scene, no. So it wasn't a precarious kind of job no, no. To, for you to take? Ah, uh, no, no. And even when you say you're, you're insuring your car, and people ask you, the insurance people ask you what you do. I mean, you certainly learn that you don't, you don't tell them, you just, I was employed. You're a clerk, you're a I clerk. I was employed <laughs> as a property controller. That was my title. Right. And I worked nine to five. And I told them that because... You couldn't be having any risks? Yeah, if you were working the night shows, then your insurance would be very high. Okay. But no, I got away with it anyway. Are you sentimental about leaving? I'd be sad to see the people that I've been working with, yeah, yeah. What are sentimental? I I don't know. I get over it, I'm sure. (laughs) But no, it wouldn't be sad. 40 years, yeah. Mm. Have you any immediate plans for uh, your retirement? Mm, no. Um, I have to, first of all, I have to find a place to live. Because Can you I, tell us about that? I, I, my own uh, apartment block is sold. So I have to find a place. You know, That's the first thing I have to do anyway. How long have you lived there, Stephen? 20 years. In the one place and, and you yeah. were yeah. the landlord selling up, is it? Yeah, it's an old Georgian house. And uh, it's sold, yeah, he sold it there a couple of weeks ago. And, but we have until uh, July. To find somewhere else? Yeah, yeah. So that'll take a bit of time. 
how do you feel about that? Because when the rest of us heard this, there's a few people who um, were up in arms about it. Uh, I was surprised that he was sold the house, I must admit. But he just said he, was, he had enough of it, he wanted to get out. Do you believe him or is it one of I'm those things? I'm not sure somebody offered him big money. It was sold for two million anyway. Right. So uh, I'd say that's, yeah. He's about my own, well, he's slightly younger than I am, so he might have been wanting to get out. And what recourse do you have as being there 20 years? Um, no, I don't think so. I, um, I, 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 I don't think so. We just got a letter from the solicitor saying that yeah, you have until the whatever July to, to vacate the place. Mm-hmm. And are you now looking for um, a place to buy or rent? Yeah, I have to buy a place at the state. Yeah. Okay. And with the pension and whatever is in the pot or whatever, we we'll probably buy somewhere. What area of Dublin are you looking at, Stephen, in case anyone has any to <laughs> I don't know. Somewhere I'm, I'm living in Dublin city centre all my, all my life, you know, so I, I presume I'd stay in that area, if possible. It's probably the most expensive place you can, mm. you know, and I have a car as well, so I need to get a place with a car space, you know, so... Um, Do you feel angry that you've been put in this position at this stage I, in your life? Well, I was angry with him at one stage because he did come in and he said, told me, he said he was selling up, but um, nobody would be affected. You know, everybody was just selling with city tenants and all okay. that. But then he didn't come back when he was sold. It was a solicitor's letter. So I thought he, he could have come in and just said, look, it's all. But they Had the guts to say it to you face yeah. to face? No, he didn't. No. So that's, there you go. I'm sure I'd find a place, even if I had to move down the country. Well, we don't, <laughs> we, we don't want to leave you from the city. What? How will... Um, how will your routine now change? You're, uh, you, you seem to me uh, like a man of routine. Uh, you go for the occasional drink over in Briotis in the evening. Will you still go to those same places? Uh, uh, probably, that? yeah, yeah. Because uh, the, the other people that have retired, say like the, the Tony Wakefield and McDoyles, and they come in once every six weeks or something, and we have down and out chat. You know. And what do they tell you about? their experience after leaving the Abbey? Because I'd imagine, sure, even me being here the few years I am here, it gets into your bloodstream. Uh, it does, yeah. And even, even there's a, a, a girl, actually, that worked with us in, in um, sales management, Colette Morris. She was here for about 15 years, and uh, she's in New York. She's married over there now. And uh, the only time she rings me, she's always talking, but she knows exactly what's happening in the Abbey. And, you know, it's still in the blood. Mm. So, so, and I'm sure she'd still like to be over here. That's it, she got married in New York, and worried, and that's it. Um, but yeah, she knows. She knew all about what's happened. Yeah, I know. And the, and the names that you 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 name check throughout this interview as well. They're names that I would have been familiar with. And yeah. there's this, I suppose, line of history that goes through the place. You oh know, yeah, that connect yeah. Like Tony Wakefield was here for 45 years. Oh, that's extraordinary. Yeah, and Mick Doyle was here for 43, I think. Yeah. And he has other members of the Doyle family yeah. still working yeah. here. Yeah, and that um, another chap we do meet as well, Jim Colgan. Um, he comes in and thinks sometimes to do video or the shows. Yeah, he's left a long, long time now, but he comes still. He still comes in. Paul Moore, who was here, did everything. Yeah, he backstage, did, and then he was the director and everything. And they must be looking at us as Mayfly. Do you know that kind of? We're just the blowings. Blowings. <laughs> well, isn't that, you know because that's I what we I are. I don't actually think so. Well, it must be very strange to come into a place. Um, my dad was a guard for around thirty something years in Rathmines and Ternure and uh, it was only recently that someone mentioned 
that he had worked in that area at that time yeah, or something, yeah, yeah. but didn't know my dad's name. And I thought that was so strange. So it must be odd to come in I, I, for, for any of these people that have worked here for decades and decades to come in and not to know someone, yeah, you know? Yeah. Yeah, well, the, the two lads I'm talking about, like, like Tony and Mick, who were here, oh, the, the only person they will know once myself and John have left would be Vicky, probably. That's and probably right. yourself, you probably knew. Well, I knew, I was just at the end of it, yeah, actually, yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, it's, it's only Vicky. Vicky's just here, uh, 28, 30 years here. Yeah, Vicky followed by Andrea, maybe, and yeah. Maraid, and uh, yeah. these are, I suppose, yeah. the keepers of the flame. Um, as, as Just to close up, are, I suppose I want to ask you, are you, is there anything that you want to say uh, about how you feel about this place before you leave? Are you proud to have worked here? Oh, yeah, no, it was great working here. And um, the people were superb. I gave everybody. You know, we give out about everybody and everything. And you know, when you get a designer coming in and say, oh, not him again. You know, but in the end of the day, we all get on with them. And uh, no, I wouldn't, I don't know. I'd like to see it in about 10 years to see what way it's going. But at the moment, no, I wouldn't have any. But You'll keep an eye on the place. We'll keep an eye on the place, yeah, yeah. I might turn this on for the new building. <laughs> oh, that would be lovely. That so that's on record now. I think and it's been a pleasure working with Eva as well, you know, because she took a lot of pressure of me having to run around looking for stuff because she came from the theatre outside and then she loves going into antique shops and second-hand shops and all that kind of she loves that and uh, she took a lot of pressure yeah but she she no she was great to work with there's no doubt you know I hope whoever comes in that's they'll get on as well Well, Stephen, all that is left for me to say on behalf of all the staff who have had the pleasure and privilege of working with you alongside you all these years is thank you for your patience, uh, your sense of humour, your expertise and your advice. Thank you for a lifetime service to the National Theatre. Your fingerprint and craftsmanship is across decades of productions and has not gone unnoticed. And I can safely say will never be matched. Thank, thank you, you very much indeed. Thank, thank you, Stephen.